0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at NewBalance.com. One, two, three, four. Good morning and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst, Gabriel Patagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivans. We appreciate you guys coming in and listening to us today. It's been a jam-packed week. We got the commitment of five-star Colin Simmons out of Duncanville, Today, that will be on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. A lot going on. And Drew, I think one of our favorite topics, but now we get to break down potential impact freshmen in the 2023 cycle. We're going to start in the mecca of college football that is in the SEC. But Drew, good morning. You're coming to Nashville this weekend. I get to host you for the first time. Typically, it's me going to Florida. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited, man.
0: Yeah, and at some point during this podcast, I got to check in for my Southwest flight. So I can't set like an alarm, hoping I'm not in like C-38 or something. Um, I, don't know. I've, I've <laughs> for,
1: I forget about that because I booked a Southwest flight last night. The wh- How does the early bird check-in it's, work?
0: Well, yeah, you can pay for it. But if you did your CBS mandated training about spending money... I don't think you can, uh, yeah, wink, wink. I don't know. I, <laughs> I was under the impression that you can't or they will not comp the early bird. So the worst feeling is when you realize like five minutes after you miss that, that 24 hour window. And then you're like, well, it doesn't matter at this point. I'm at the back of the plane or I'm going to be That's in right. the red seat. So yeah, dude, I'm fired up. I mean, we're, I'm coming up for the personnel symposium. Um, I feel like the, the, Roster of people expected in terms of colleges has like doubled in the past few days.
1: It's a lot. I mean, I got the list right in front of me. Uh, Jeff Collins, former head coach of Georgia Tech, will be the keynote on Friday. Breakout sessions Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you're not if you're not familiar with the player personnel symposium, it's something that started I think within the last five years, and it's basically all of college football player personnel off-field support staff, limited really to just recruiting that get together in Nashville once a year for two or three days. And it's a it, it's basically a summit to share ideas and, and keep that network together. So fascinating for us, Drew. That's exactly what we do. We get to kind of be around these people, pick their brains a little bit, kind of see the way the industry is changing. So it's great that it's here in Nashville. It hadn't changed, Drew. Looking forward to you coming up. Steve Wilfong, our director of recruiting, will be here. Same with Brandon Huffman, Alan True. So it'll be a jam-packed weekend. But let's let's get to the topic at hand and talking about a couple of these freshmen in the SEC, we'll go through every team, SEC East, SEC West. And Drew, let's start with the two-time defending national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, you could go any which way here.
0: Can so, you though? Can you?
1: Yes and no, right? I mean, in terms of talent. Yes. In terms of that depth chart and, and a pathway to the field, I don't know. So I, I had to make some phone calls. By the way, I don't know how you did this. There were a couple where, all right, I'm reading camp reports. I'm reading like, you know, you take everything into consideration. It's like one, one I like that player, but two, is there a pathway to the field? Right, right, right. right. I think so, that's,
0: that's, how, that's how I kind of approached it like. All right, path to playing time. Like these are guys that we think are going to make an impact at some point in 2023. This is what we're hedging our money on. Like that, is that how you kind of approach this exercise?
1: 100%.
0: Okay. We're in alignment,
1: so, hashtag alignment. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we kind of we're not realigning here.
1: All right. So, Georgia, you want me to start or you want the T box?
0: You got the T box, man, because you made phone calls. I didn't make phone calls. Well, yeah, I mean, just just go.
1: I made a couple phone calls, all right. It wasn't like I was you know I didn't I didn't sit down and you know waste my my Wednesday night last night. All right, Georgia, two names came up. I'll give you one because in case you got the other one, I don't want to take it away from you. Jordan Hall, a little bit of a surprise, maybe not. Top 15 player in the country out of Jacksonville, West side, six four and a half, 300 pounds plus, big nimble dancing bear. These guys get on the field early. Georgia plays so many defensive linemen. How about Glenn Schumann, by the way? Shout out to the kid, man. 1900000 million, one One point nine million dollars—one of the highest paid assistant coaches in the country. Doubled his salary from last year to this year. FootballScoop.com came out with that report this morning. But Jordan Hall is a guy. Drew, the, the name to me, before I did a little bit of research, was like, how in the hell do you keep Raylan Wilson off the field?
0: Okay, so... Yeah, Raylan Wilson was on my short list. I had I had read some stuff on Jordan Hall. That's interesting. That I'm assuming that is buzz coming out of Athens about Jordan Hall. I can see it. I agree with you. Um, and he had an impact at the All American Bowl. Remember, he was the guy that threw the wad of cash, and they had to like cut away from NBC during during that whole thing. Um, that was awesome. <laughs> I don't even know if that made it on the actual broadcast. <laughs> no. Like it, it, that's that's all a blur, but. So, and I think the other defender that came to mind was Jonel Aguero, right? He's, he's turned some heads as well.
1: I wouldn't be shocked by that. That, That's kind of my point, right? It's kind of like pick your poison. It's just like, all right, who are they going to beat out as freshmen, right?
0: Okay. All right. Let's, so I'm going to give you mine and you're going to be like, wait, what? Lost and lucky.
1: That's not a wait, what? That was the other name.
0: Okay, that's that's my guy, number two tight or number two tight end for us last cycle. He, I think he had that that catch in the in the spring game, which kind of went viral. Um, I just look at what he brings to the table, and throughout the kind of recruiting process, and when we were on National Signing Day, we called him Brock Bowers light and Georgia. They lose Darnell Washington, obviously Bowers is back, but. I don't think, even with the changing of offensive coordinators, Don Monkett now in Baltimore, Mike Bobo taking over for the two time defending national champs, like they're still going to be heavy on the tight ends. And I'm bullish on Oscar Delt, who they took two years ago. I think he's going to see the field, but I think Bauer, or excuse me, Lost and Lucky, Bauer's 2.0, I think he's a guy that can block. And I think Georgia is going to play a lot of two and three tight end sets. And, and Todd Hartley spoke, I think he met with the media earlier this week, talked up uh, loss and lucky. So I don't know if he's going to be a guy that has 400 yards receiving, but I think he's going to get on the field. I think he has earned the trust of those guys. Kirby Smart has also spoken highly of loss and lucky. So he's the one for me, like impact freshman. I think the defense, any anyone could break through there, but. They um do not pigeonhole guys are gonna try to get exotic on the defensive side of the ball. So I mean it, it could be anyone. Last year we what? It was Malachi Starks. I, I agree with you on, on Raylan Wilson. Jordan Hall's interesting. Um so yeah, lost and lucky for me.
1: I love that one. I love that pick. And you got to remember, if you follow recruiting closely, lost and lucky was a guy that He was on flip watch for a while. Nick Saban, Alabama, they were coming hard after him. Deuce Robinson was in the mix for Georgia. You didn't know where he was going to end up at the end of the day. He sticks with Georgia, early enrollee. You feel like, all right, this is a guy, Drew, when you turn on the high school tape, he does a little bit of everything, right? He's in line. He can detach. You talked about the Brock Bowers comparison. I think that makes so much sense in terms of utility. He also played out of the backfield a little bit.
0: Yeah, they would jet sweep to him.
1: Right. He can do a little bit of everything. So. And, and you mentioned it. We've talked so much about this. I feel like recently in the two weeks, last two weeks, Georgia being a 12, 13 personnel team, they lean heavily on the tight ends. I don't think that's going to change with Mike Bobo. If you're going to take a crack on somebody playing early, it's going to be one of these tight ends, right? So I think Lawson Lucky is a good fit there.
0: And then I got, I got one more I put as quote-unquote runner-up. Roderick Robinson, the top 247 running back out of California. You know, Kendall Milton's dinged up in camp. Uh, Branson Robinson, I think he's back. It's going to be a committee approach for the Bulldogs. But Robinson, two hundred thirty pounds. You know, maybe he's a guy that can get some situational burn. And I don't know if it wasn't for the injuries, I'd be bringing him up. But just reading what our guys at, at Dogs Two Four Seven have put out there, I think Roderick Robinson is another name to kind of keep an eye on.
1: I'll tell you what, I I've picked it up this week, but Robbie Weinstein, who works our national desk, does a phenomenal job. It's like reading the newspaper for me every morning.
0: It is is a must read.
1: It is a must read, and it's fantastic. And I was reading on Georgia's running back situation this morning. I mean, they're banged up, right? Kendall Milton, you got Andrew Paul coming off an ACL injury. Roger Robinson is a guy that could get some run early, and he goes coast to coast on this stuff. And it's a lot of information to compile. But it's great. I mean, you, you talk about being able to get a source every day on the pulse of what's happening around the country. Robbie Weinstein does a great yeah. job on that. Check that out, 247 sports.com.
0: What does he call it? Fault intel notebook? What is it? It's it's Something on the like front that. page of every morning on 247 sports.com. It's again a, a must read, especially if you're us and you just nerd out and you're like, oh, <laughs> that, what is that kid doing? I remember him.
1: Big nerd community. All right, Drew, Tennessee coming off the year that they had last year a lot of people want to know. I I love that this recruiting class form. I think you could have gone a lot of different directions. This was one where like, you know, I I did a little bit of research and the guy getting a lot of buzz, the former Memphis commit, Arian Carter, linebacker, on off-ball ability. The feedback on him right now is that he's in lockstep, right? He he's got he's got a little bit of a veteran moxie to him. I would not be surprised if he plays early. That defense has to continue to improve, especially on the front seven. They need guys like this. This was a big win. They had to beat Alabama and Nick Saban for Arian Carter, right? So Arian Carter, a late riser in the top two, four, seven. Like I said, you go a lot of different ways. I could see Nathan Leacock being on the field early, right? Ethan Davis, who you like at the tight end position. They have so many different weapons. But Tennessee, I'm going to go defense here.
0: Yeah, I had Arian Carter written down, and we didn't compare notes before the podcast, so there might be some some overlap. That's why I try to get a, a second name in there. Just on Arian Carter, I think one of the Tennessee coaches, I, I don't remember which one it, it was, said that they're they're literally force-feeding him, the defense. They, they anticipate him to play, um, and there's a pair of seniors, I believe, ahead of him on the depth chart. One of them is a six-year senior from BYU. But what's interesting about Arian Carter, and there were some other guys – you as we work through this exercise, you know, he's someone that went through orange bowl practices, didn't play in an all-star game, you know, joined the team. I think that is so, I mean, people have been doing it, but if you want to play as a freshman, like do that. It, it, it seems like you get a huge leg up, you get acclimated to the practice procedure. You're working with the strength coach way earlier. Um, so he did that. And then, He was a standout in the spring. I believe he picked off like Joe Milton in his second practice. So, yeah, i lockstep with you on Arian Carter. I I, I agree. Um, He could be someone that's creating a bunch of noise, I think, in the SEC as we get later into the season. The other one I wrote down, Ethan Davis, top 247 tight end out of the Atlanta Metro. Uh, You follow my work. You know I'm a big fan of him. Had him on the freaks list, basketball kid. Had a pair of nice – Gains in 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 their orange and white game. I think one for thirty, another for fifteen. But had to get shoulder surgery. Sounds like he's back though, uh, and there's a chance he could be in the rotation. And and they got some some veterans at the tight end position as well. Uh, but yeah, Arian Carter, Ethan Davis, those were the two I had written down.
1: I get excited about Tennessee. Like Tennessee's a fun team to me. Like I I enjoy the brand of football. I went to Baton Rouge last year. I watched Tennessee take it to LSU in person, they're a fun team to watch um, the the way they play the game. Obviously, that high-octane offense, but just the pace of how they play the game and how they dictate it offensively. So Tennessee, Arian Carter, a little bit of defensive flavor there. Drew, South Carolina, I'll let you you start this one off.
0: You know where I'm going here, right?
1: Grayson Pup Howard?
0: Yeah, he was working with the, with the ones earlier this week, according to the guys at the Big Spur. Um, huge Grayson Pup Howard fan linebacker out of the Jacksonville area finished number nine for us. Just like with Arian Carter went through bowl practices with the Gamecocks. What, what bowl were they in there? They were in the one in Jacksonville in his hometown. What is that bowl game called now? I don't, I'm drawing a blank there.
1: Uh, not the Outback bowl. Isn't it the right? Gator bowl? It was the Gator, Gator, bowl, Gator right? bowl. Yes. I know in that. Game, Rutgers right? played Wake Forest two years ago in the Gator bowl.
0: Well, Pup Howard was there and, uh, <laughs> Getting some burn with with the ones, and I'm not surprised. I mean, I've said it like his X factor is the mentality, the the between the ears. Go back to the recruiting process. I think Jacksonville to to Columbia, South Carolina is like an eight hour drive. I want to say. I mean, it's not like a three four hour drive. Grayson Howard drove nine times. I mean, obviously with his family and coaches, and then when he went. To go on his official visit. It wasn't, oh, get me a private car to Jacksonville Airport and I'll fly up there. No, that he drove to his official visit, which I thought was was very unique. And it just kind of speaks to how he's a a different cat, uh, very athletic. When I was at his spring practice last year, he was essentially coaching his defense. So not surprised that he has found his footing there. Um and, and what's funny, man, I, I remember when like Grayson Howard, when he was just coming on to, to my radar, I texted a recruiting director at a at a power five program. I said, hey, man, this, this kid, Grayson Howard, he's the real deal. And I'll never forget that that individual wrote back. Yeah, there's a lot of good players out there. Well, that school has struggled mightily at the linebacker position. So uh, just has me smiling to see that Grayson Howard is in, is running with the ones. And I'll I'll add this. I don't know if you saw this quote. Um, Shane Beamer said, we're going to have to play true freshmen at every single position on our football team. And they're probably going to be, or a majority of them are going to be in the two deep. So when I looked kind of at the practice reports, it, it seems like South Carolina is very, very young.
1: If you're Shane Beamer, to me, that's the right approach. I mean, you got a top-20 class you're excited about. Last signing day, it seemed like they were kind of like the bell of the ball, right? Who was the biggest surprise? They get Nicholas Harbor done. I'll talk about him here in a second. The name that I had was Grayson Pup Howard. It was the same. For every, for every reason you just said, the intangibles off the chart, not a surprise that he's already getting some run with the ones. But I do want to bring up, I mean, the report that came out earlier is that Nicholas Harbor is swimming right now. Andrew, I think you and I attend Nicholas Harbor's recruitment. We love the physical clay and upside of Nicholas Harbor in terms of his ability to get his feet under him. That's going to be a little bit of a process, right? Adjusting to the physicality and the speed of the SEC, which is not the same that he was used to seeing at Archbishop Carroll in Washington, D.C., where he was the best athlete and best player on the field I mean he had 17 sacks as a junior he had no idea what he was doing right so
0: well that's what I was going to bring up on Harbor I mean wasn't the debate where's his his better where's where's the ceiling higher on 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 defense or on offense
1: what we haven't talked about either is we had the offense defense debate and it was okay if he's in a in a 3-4 he's going to be a stand-up outside linebacker if he's in a 4-3 he's going to play with his hand in the ground offensively The only discussion was tight end. He's playing receiver right now for South Carolina. So, listen, you don't know if that natural maturation is going to happen. I tend to think that has more to do with his body weight and being able to keep it down for track and field. You can't play him at 250, 260 pounds and ask him to play inline tight end. I mean, if this guy is serious about his track and field career, well, he He's going to have the, to play in the perimeter.
0: I mean, he has made it clear he wants to run in the Olympics. I don't know where he stands in that in that process. Cuz we got what 2024 Paris. Like I haven't I haven't heard anything on that front. I'll say this about Nicholas Harbor, right? He was the the biggest question mark heading into the Under Armour All-America game practices back in December. And I remember texting you, texting everyone on our team like I think night one it was like uh And then he kind of found he found himself and he was playing wide receiver out there and you saw the flashes. But I'm I'm not surprised that like he's drinking through uh, a fire hose right now. I mean, it's going to take some time. And I think a lot of people are going to see the five star ranking and be like, well, he should be on the field playing right now. I mean, this is no this is a long term projection. He is a, a freak. He's a unicorn. I think you can use whatever term you want, a Yeti. I mean, there are not many guys that are six five that are running. What what does he run? Ten three uh, below twenty one in, in the two hundred. And I saw the flashes there on on the practice field. Um, He's just going to need to fine tune the technique to consistently find separation against against SEC level defensive backs. Like that's not an easy thing to do if you haven't been doing it your whole life.
1: We talked about Jelani Watkins who committed to LSU recently. Sub ten three around there. Right. Um, A little bit smaller, I think closer to five, nine. And we talked about Jelani Watkins, the football player who just happens to run a 10, three. And he's a, he's an elite track and field athlete. Nicholas Harbor is more of a track and field athlete right now than he is a football player. Yeah. But, but there is a football player in there, right? That, that part just needs to be developed. So, I'm with you, Drew. It's gonna be a little bit more of a slow burn. I think Nicholas Harbor, year one, Columbia. We got to temper expectations, but doesn't mean you should be down on him at all. He'll figure it out. All right, Drew, Kentucky. I gotta admit, flying a little bit blind here, right? Um, I kind of leaned back on my on my region here, and I went with Avery Stewart, guy who played a little bit of corner, a little bit of safety coming out of Alabama Christian and Montgomery. I saw him live twice. Pathway to the field. I'm not sure, but like one, I love his length and I love his bounce, you know. And this is a guy that I think can play multiple positions in the secondary. And if it's not an instant impact defensively, I think he can get on the field early, special teams wise.
0: He just feels like a Kentucky defensive take in terms of, all right, can play multiple spots on the back end, is athletic, can run, good football player. Like when I peak, and glance at UK's like 2 deep, I see a ton of that, like at in the middle of the defense, out on the perimeter. And whether those guys come via the transfer portal or whether they come through high school recruiting, like I think Kentucky doesn't get enough credit for just being like uber athletic when it comes to the second and third levels. I don't I don't know if you agree with that. So I do like that that Avery Stewart pick. I
1: think they're one of the most underappreciated talent evaluating programs in the country. I think they do a tremendous job to be where they are in the SEC every year. You know, win nine, ten games, be in that ballpark. I mean, Mark Stoops has done a tremendous job and what they did. I mean, they're different geographically. Vince Morrow, the connections that he has in Ohio, they kind of tap in more into the the Big Ten footprint than they do the SEC.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. It's kind of like a weird spot to to recruit from. Like, I think for you, sure. need to, you need to dip your pen in all different corners of, of the country. And they do a good job doing that. I mean, the, Avery Stewart, you just mentioned, is from Alabama. You know, they're down in Florida, Georgia. And then, like you said, Big Ten country. The guy I, I highlighted, Anthony Brown, wide receiver. I think he finished as an 89 for us. So high three-star grade, number 67, wide receiver. Um, Kentucky returns a, 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 some talent at the receiver position, but Anthony Brown, just reading through practice reports. Uh, he apparently looked excellent in an open practice this past Saturday. I think the fans and in, in media were allowed to watch the whole thing. Um, and Vince Morrow, Marrow, excuse me, who was the primary on Anthony Brown has, has called him another Wondell Robinson in, in terms of what they think he could be for the Wildcats there in Lexington. And, um, I, you know, you kind of go back and and, and and watch the film you're like, okay I, I can I can definitely see that and you know what's interesting interesting about Anthony Brown, I didn't even know this nephew of John Legend, I was like, whoa, okay, um,
1: where do you find this stuff?
0: It was in every story about him. They <laughs> said I mean it's a pretty it's a pretty nice nugget where I was like, oh i di- I didn't know that. Um, and, and then just looking at Kentucky uh, with the offensive coordinator Liam Cohen there. Uh, Devin Leary is now running. I, I think Anthony Brown is going to find a way onto the field. Is he going to be you know, one of the top two receivers? I don't know, but I think he could be a, a complementary piece, a, a wide receiver three. So that's the guy I, I highlighted for the Wildcats.
1: All right, Drew, Florida. I've, I I felt like this one was a little bit more difficult because Florida is going to be relying on a lot of freshmen early. You and I kind of talked about up front, a little bit of a surprise there we'll get into there in a second in terms of maybe a young guy that is already getting some reps with the ones i went with andy Jean out of yeah. florida and I, I i love this player high floor smart i think can play multiple positions i really like the fit at florida and outside of ricky pearsall and caleb douglas i think that receiver room needs a little bit of an injection right so I think Andy Jean's going to be a guy that's going to have no problem getting on the field, and I think they expect him to play early.
0: So there's this quote from Billy Napier and um, Flames, Fire Flames, and I, I don't know if he's trying to send a message. I don't know if you've seen this. He goes, we're living in an era of college football where a rookie's got to play, a free agent's got to play, whether it's the portal or a high school player. I think that's speaking to, like, These guys expect to be on the field because if they're not on the field, then they're leaving. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting note from Billy Napier. Um, And I think it signals that a lot of that heralded 2023 recruiting class is going to play some meaningful snaps. I also pegged Andy Jean. Um, I found these interesting kind of nuggets from Jacob Rudner over at Swamp 247. Gators averaged just 209.8 passing yards last season, and they had a first-round quarterback in Anthony Richardson. Uh, That was 90th uh, among 131 FBS teams. Ricky Pearsall, the only returning wide receiver that had over 30 catches last season. Um, And Florida didn't have a receiver over, over 40 catches. So I think the runway is there for Andy Jean. And those other wide receivers that they signed, Eugene Wilson, drawing a blank on the other one off the top of my head, like they're going to get on the field.
1: And the guy that I wanted to refer to was Najee Harris, right, in in terms of the the offensive lineman getting some run with the ones right now. Uh, Drew, that came as a little bit of a surprise. We saw him at the future 50 I think we talked a little bit about him yesterday on the mailbag episode in terms of big body that needed to get melt melted down. I don't know if Florida wants to melt him down that much. I mean, that's a guy you want in the phone booth, right, uh, at the point of attack. So, Drew yeah. Florida, Florida to me is like it's like faith of a mustard seed, right? I mean, I I know that's deep there, but it's like I love what Billy Napier and his staff are doing from a roster construction standpoint. To me it's can they get the quarterback position right? And then it's just like a gauntlet of a schedule, 2023, 2024. Can they do what they need to do in the short term to keep the pressure off to let this organic roster building continue to take place? Because I I, I really like the roster outlook of of Florida two to three years down the line. They're bringing in talent at every position. You got to like DJ Lagway. To me, it's more about, hey, is Graham Merch, Jack Miller – Are those the guys to to get you to where you need to go to kind of keep a little bit of the pressure off?
0: I think the big concern has got to be the O-line, like in 2023. I I think most people are are pointing to the Graham Mertz, but, man, the O-line already dealing with injuries. I'll say this on Najee Harris. I do think, and this is a kid that played at IMG Academy, I I think it's not surprising to, to hear that He's in the starting lineup, working with the ones, and and that's after some guys have some veterans have, have come back, you know, in and out of in and out of camp. Like, I, I think he was someone that was probably more ready to go than than some of those others. Uh, but to me, the offensive line, like I think that could be the Achilles heel for them, and and you know they've had a ton of injuries there, just not a ton of body. So like Najee Harris needs to be a guy. He needs to be ready to go, and it sounds like he's kind of ahead of schedule.
1: All right, last team in the SEC East, that is Vanderbilt, our old friend Barton Simmons over there, the general manager with Clark Lee. Go from one win two years ago to five wins last last year. Things are looking up. I mean, a a lot of money being invested into that program as well. Drew, I I went the receiver route and a guy that I really like throughout the recruiting process in, in my area, that was London Humphreys from CPA in Nashville, Tennessee. This is a guy who has a pretty intriguing track and field background, 10-7-1 in the 100 meter twenty one seven five in the 200, 6-2 and change, sudden route runner, a guy that can go up and get it, climb the ladder. I think he's a guy um, that Vandy feels pretty good about, just reading up on him. Our guy, Robbie Weinstein, getting a lot of shout-outs here, but the practice report, he also works on the Vandy side as well, and this is a guy that Clark Lee feels very strongly about and I think a guy that's going to see the field early
0: yeah Robbie Weinstein I wish more publishers would do this kind of had a projected too deep and he actually had two true freshmen in there and uh one of them wasn't Landon Humphrey I think he was listed as a reserve but Cedric Alexander number 50 ranked running back from last cycle kid out of Texas, uh, Robbie thinks he's going to start. If he doesn't start, he's going to be a, a guy that gets a ton of touches. I think he ran for just over 50 yards in their spring game. I mean, this is someone at the prep level on Friday nights, ran for over 5,200 yards in his career, 75 rushing touchdowns. Um, seems like a nice little find for Barton. And then the other guy, Martel Height, Uh, Robbie had him as a a starting field corner. This is a kid out of Georgia. Um, He was the all-region player of the year. Did a little bit of everything. Three interceptions on defense, 10 uh, receiving touchdowns on offense. Also averaged 19 yards, a punt return. And he was a 6'6 high jumper. Um, And Vanderbilt flipped him from Louisville. So I think we saw this last season with Vandy a youth movement and I think it's gonna continue here in twenty twenty-three. Like they are they are hitting uh Trudell Berry, remember him from two cycles ago, got him in the All American Bowl late. He was a late ad. I think he's projected to start at one of the cornerback positions. Obviously of AJ Swan, the sophomore quarterback. I mean Vandy, I think the arrow continues to point up.
1: I'm excited about them. Clark Lee, like I said, doing a lot of exciting things. With the Vandy program, we look forward to seeing them here, especially in Nashville. I think I'm going to try to sneak out to one of those games this season. Drew, I jumped the gun a little bit, skipped over Missouri. If you're a Missouri fan, I apologize. But let's get to Missouri right here as we wrap up the SEC East. This is another one, kind of similar boat as Kentucky. Not a lot of top-end talent at at the top. It's not taking anything away from them, just not as much as as the year before. I went Joshua Manning, and that might see be like the low-hanging fruit, but this was a guy that Gabe Brooks – national recruiting analyst, a guy that we work with really closely on the scouting side, really likes 390 pounds, got a basketball background, also three-sport athlete in track and field. You talk about a guy that can it, it, very explosive leaping ability, 24-plus feet in the long jump, 48-plus feet in the triple jump, 115, can run a little bit. I just think those guys, they're hard to keep off the field. And I actually think Missouri, one of their strengths is their receiver position. But I, I I like the idea of Joshua Manning. I, I know Eli Drinkwitz is a guy heavily involved in the offense. It's a guy you might want to get some touches early. I like Joshua Manning.
0: Yeah, I, I considered him. Uh, I had Brett Norfleet, number 19 tight end for us last cycle. Uh, Missouri's returning three tight ends combined for 10 catches last season. Norfleet, guy I've never seen in person, but he's listed everywhere. At six seven. So even if he's over six foot five, he's he's a big frame guy. To me, when you just kind of look at the commit to list, like he makes the most sense given the needs. Now, Missouri crushed it in the transfer portal. We had Blake Baker on the podcast, Missouri's current DC a while ago, and he talked about some more of those transfers, guys. He anticipates to help him, you know, continue to field one of the top defenses in the SEC. So uh, I did want to bring this up on Missouri, Cooper. Um, a few big-time crystal ball forecasts going in for Missouri. It seems like they're right in the thick of things with uh, Williams Nwarney, the five-star pass rusher, and then Ryan Wingo, the five-star wide receiver. And remember, two years ago, they got Luther Burden to commit, our, our number three overall player. I mean, not commit, signed, and played as a true freshman. I think it's it's kind of notable.
1: They're tough to beat in-state, man, on those top guys. I mean, they got Luther Burden done. We mentioned that one. You talked about some of the top prospects in the country right now. I mean, Williams, um, Winari is that right? Inwinary. Correct. Uh, uh, excuse me. I had to think about that one a little bit. And then Ryan Wingo. As of right now, it seems like Missouri's trending for both of those guys, right, which would be huge for Eli Drinkwitz if he could pull that off. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.
0: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law all right drew 41 minutes
1: on the sec east that means the sec west is going to be a little bit accelerated guys as always make sure to subscribe to the show leave a five-star rating there as well if we earned it if not you know that's you you have the right to, you know, it's the same rankings as we get to do, right? The five-star show, four-star show, three-star show. You get to, you get to rate us, right? So make sure to leave a review on there as well. If you have a question for the mailbag episode next Wednesday, that is the place to leave it. We appreciate you listening as always to the Oyster boys on the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast that you can find on Spotify and Apple. All right, Drew, as we head to the sec West, any, any final thoughts on the sec East?
0: Dude, I, like this research had me so fired up. I thought it was a ton of fun. And, you know, when you, you feel a certain way about a guy and then it's like he's doing exactly what you thought early on in camp, makes me makes me sleep a little bit better at night. Not going to get them all.
1: That's right. That's right. Guys, like I said, make sure to subscribe to the show. A lot of good stuff going on right now. Also, Colin Simmons, five star in the two 2000- thousand. 24 cycle and then top two four seven LSU, Texas, Miami all have hats on the table. That will be on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel later today. Also with his teammate, four star top two four-seven running back, Caden Durham as well. So gonna be a loaded day. Make sure to keep it locked with 24-7 sports. All right, Drew, SEC West. Let's start at the top. Alabama, number one ranked recruiting class in the country last year per 24-7 sports. This one was easy for me, and that's, that's saying something when you got guys like Keon Keeley, Caleb Downs, Justice Haynes, Desmond Ricks. The list goes on and on. Caleb Downs is the best safety prospect I think I've seen since Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't think it's really close. I mean, you talk about a pro's pro, three-phase player, has the genetics. This guy was born to play football. I don't know how you keep him off the field. He can play every every position on the back end. He was tailor-made to play for Nick Saban. I, I, I just gave him every possible compliment I could give him in, in the last 15 seconds. I love Caleb Downs. I expect him to be a factor day one.
0: I agree. I think he was the fast break layup, though.
1: <laughs> I agree. He's a low-hanging fruit, but you have to say it, right? I mean, I don't yeah. want to overthink it,
0: you know? And I think Justice Haynes you could also put into that same category. I mean, I think these guys are going to play. We both – we've we've talked them up all throughout the process. They were brought up and discussed that length during the signing day shows. And uh, Caleb Downs goes through – was that Sugar Bowl practices with the Crimson Tide? I, I agree. He's going to be on the field. Um, and what was kind of cool – I went back to when we came out with that initial top 100 for the class of 2023. So that would have been, I don't know, three years ago. Like we pegged him at right around that number 12 range for us in our rankings. He finished there. He w- like kind of went wire to wire. And and maybe we'll regret not having him a little bit higher, but no, I, I absolutely agree. Justice Haynes as well. Um, I think he's going to find a way in, in, into the, equation for the Crimson Tide in the backfield. I mean, word coming out of Tuscaloosa continues to be that they want to run the football. Um, But I went in a different direction here. Caden Proctor, number one ranked offensive tackle. In a battle right now with Elijah Pritchett, former five-star from the 22 cycle for that left tackle starting spot. And uh, I, I believe they've been, splitting reps just reading the guys at bama 247 pritchett left saturday's open practice with an injury i haven't seen anything else on it might have just been you know precautionary and and proctor slid in there as the first teamer um i think this guy is pretty dang good obviously we had him as our number one tackle i think he's going to be in the in the starting mix and um you know, it's it's hard for true freshman offense alignment to play under Nick Saban. It's a short list of guys, but it's a really dang good list of guys. Cam Robinson, Jonah Williams, Alex Leatherwood, Dredrick Willis, Evan Neal, J.C. Latham, Tyler Booker. Um, I think Caden Proctor is kind of next up. So, agree with you on Caleb Downs. I put Justice Haynes in there, but Caden Proctor would not be surprised if he's a starting guy.
1: I feel like. I think Caden Proctor and the first name that comes up to me in terms of trajectory is Jedrick Wills. You know, a guy that could play left, right tackle. They kind of moved him around a little bit. He went wire to wire at Alabama. He started playing as a as a true freshman there. And a guy that ended up getting taken in the first round by the Cleveland Browns a couple of years ago. I think Caden Proctor is going to be very difficult to keep off the field. But Drew, think about that. I mean, we talked about think about the options here. Keon Keeley, Caleb Downs, Caden Proctor. Justice Haynes, who I, listen, I'm going to go out on on a little bit of a limb. Those of you who know Justice Haynes, I don't think this is going out on a limb at all. I think Justice Haynes is quickly going to become one of the best running backs in the country, very quickly.
0: I'd I'd co-sign that.
1: And um, I'll say this. I think those three to four guys, you talk about Bryce Young leaving, talk about Will Anderson leaving, they're next up. Keon Keeley, Caleb Downs, Justice Haynes, Caden Proctor, those four players right there. That is the foundation of Alabama football over the next three to four years. Those are the faces. You want to know Alabama football? Nick Saban, who to be associated with? And Drew, the other thing about these guys, they're pros. Every single one of those guys is a pro. Keon Keeley is a pro. Caleb Downs is a pro. Justice Haynes is a pro. There's no other sideshow. Yeah, they're all ball, and they're all built to play for that program. I, all, I love all four of those guys.
0: They're all wired the right way, and I think right now you need to you need to grab as many of those guys as you can.
1: They're dudes, man. All right, LSU. Talk about options. You got some options here.
0: <laughs> I, was I gonna don't lean on you. Can, i was going to lean I, lean here on you. I want to see where you go.
1: I think this is going to be a little bit of a surprise for you. But seeing how you've picked yours today, I wouldn't be surprised if we're on the same page here because you've you've had a little flair for the dramatic. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go Kamarian Pimpton.
0: Okay, six, I considered him.
1: Six, six, 220 pounds. LSU flips him from Vandy. Ends up ranked the hundred and tenth player overall for us in the top two, four seven, number six tight end. I mean, he's a guy, Drew. We saw him at the All American Bowl. It's like it's kind of like the Nick Harbor what we're talking about. Not a lot of inline tape. You're really not going to ask him to do that. But in terms of getting this guy on the field, especially in the red zone, when you want some mismatch opportunities and the way LSU, Brian Kelly, Mike Denbrock utilize their tight ends. Nobody talked about this. If something happened to Mason Taylor last year, I don't know what would have happened to LSU's offense. I mean, they had nothing in that room. A year later. Now you got Mac Markway, you got Kamarian Pimpton. You feel pretty good about that. I, I think Kamarian Pimpton's going to make some waves early, man. I think he's a super freak. And I think this is a guy that we haven't really talked about.
0: You mentioned Mike Denbrock, Tommy Reese. Those are guys that lean heavily on the tight end position. and I think Pimpton is the perfect complement to Mason Taylor. Two completely different type of tight ends. They can be on the field at the same time. I always go back to... The all-american bowl when Pimpton, who did he jump over to haul in that that touchdown pass at, at, at the front of the end zone on the on the bomb from lincoln kindles uh yeah i i considered him as well it seems like there's some buzz just kind of reading um the guys that go 247 you know what, what they're saying about pimpton the name i put down to womack and i don't know if it's when we get to Labor Day weekend and they are playing Florida State, I don't know if he's someone that gets, hold on, I got to check in for my flight right here. It's coming up. I <laughs> <laughs> got my reminder alarm going off. Um, I, you know, I don't know if he's a guy that gets you know, back into the rotation, maybe early. You know, maybe he's only getting 10 snaps against the Seminoles, but I think by season's end, as there's some attrition, right? Injuries, I, I think Deshaun Womack is someone that will be in play. And let's not forget, Womack had to get uh, his shoulder scoped, right? He had a shoulder procedure, held him out of spring. Um, they said he was up to close to 300 pounds, now down to 260. I, I think he's someone that you just kind of find a way to get onto the field, right? You know, maybe it's a certain package. And then, and then you know what I also, as I was reading through all the LSU stuff, Quincy Wiggins, one of my favorites. Looks like he's he's locked and loaded, ready to go. Superman, so,
1: yeah, <laughs> Superman with no kryptonite. I'm going to say this about Deshaun Womack: Deshaun Womack is going to be a guy that plays early. Jamar Kane, who recruited him now with the Denver Broncos, Deshaun Womack. If you're listening, or somehow this gets to you, there is a beautiful nil opportunity. I think partnership that exists. There is a lawyer in New Orleans. His name is Ed Womack, and his slogan is "Put the Womack on him." And if that wasn't already copyrighted, I think that would be beautiful for Deshaun Womack. Those two, I think you guys should work together. Good opportunity there for Deshaun Womack. Like, Just putting it out there.
0: Are we thinking bumper stickers, billboards, or like? I'm thinking details. a little bit of everything,
1: man. They got they got Gordon McKernan down there, another lawyer lawyer heavily involved in the NIL game for LSU. The lawyers down there, man, footing the bills for the for the Bayou Bengals. Um, Drew another name from LSU. I know we're dragging here. I'm hearing a lot of good things about Zalance Hurd.
0: Ooh. Fire me up.
1: <laughs> Fire me up. All right. Texas A&M. low hanging fruit, Ruben Owens, because I think they need him.
0: That's who I wrote down too. Like he's going to play, right?
1: For sure. I don't know how you keep him off the field. Devin A. Chain. Gone. gone. Gone to the NFL. Love Devin A. Chain. I think they actually have a pretty similar style. The other name that's getting some buzz. Gabe Brooks, another shout-out here. Javon Thomas. In-state. I I, want to say is – I got to go back, fact-check this, but getting some runs early with the ones, definitely in the two deep. Another name. Drew another name that I really like. Like Texas A&M, sneaky, sneaky class. I love Micah Tease. I could see him getting on the field early too.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, I, I wrote down Ruben Owens too. Um, let me find my notes. I, I lost my place. Yeah, Carter Carl's of, of Gigham two four seven. I mean, he he broke. Could be a come. A, could become a special player and soon. I, I think that's exactly how we feel about him. I guess he had a thirty yard touchdown run at a practice where he juked multiple players. And I thought this nugget was the most interesting thing on Ruben Owens. Surprising, or or has impressed as a pass catcher in like routes on air, and seven on seven. Having seen Ruben Owens play seven on seven, I mean I always said that like I he was like a wide receiver in a running back body on the seven on seven circle. I'll never forget him being down at at Battle Miami and Texas A&M has some talented running backs already there. Amari Daniels, LaVon Moss. I, I just think Owens is gonna wedge his way. Um, into the mix and, and get some meaningful touches but no you're right sneaky good class I forgot about our guy Tyler White the punter our first four-star punter
1: <laughs> that guy's a weapon
0: hitting you know, bombs uh, in, the, in the Alamo Dome
1: the other thing I think about is Bobby Petrino I mean you think back to Petrino's teams at Arkansas I mean Darren McFadden Felix Jones talented talented running backs and he was a little bit ahead of his time there schematically with what they with what they ran. Connor Wigman's a lot better runner and a lot better athlete than I think people give him credit for, too. So I, I'd be interested to see if they try to get him going on the ground a little bit this year. And I think him and Ruben Owens can definitely play off each other. I mean, the other one, Drew, Le'Veon Moss, we hadn't even talked about him the year before coming out of Louisiana. But, I mean, that's another guy in a ms backfield that should provide a nice little punch for him.
0: Sneaky good game, Texas A&M at Miami. What is that, like week two, week three? A A lot of questions will be answered.
1: For sure. No idea what to expect there. Ole Miss, this one was maybe the easiest in the SEC for me, and you could go two different directions, but I thought the two different directions were very clear. Sunterine Perkins who I just want to say on the show right now, like if, if you don't know the name Santorine Perkins, if there's one player that could potentially have a Harold Perkins impact, it's Santorine Perkins. I love him. I think First we're gonna look back and say how, how do we need how do we not have that guy hire? It's early, right? I'm not even saying that. But you think about everything he can do. I mean, he can play on, off ball. He was a three-phase guy at Raleigh. I mean, he did everything. The stat line in the state championship game, I have never seen anything like that. Dominant player.
0: Well, you got to read the stat line from the game. 32 carries for 337 yards, four touchdowns, four two-point conversions on defense, six tackles and an interception. The tape from that game is legendary stuff.
1: If I was in college football fantasy, which I'm not, <laughs> even if he's playing defense, I'd find a way to draft him. <laughs>
0: I mean, what is he going to play running back?
1: I mean, the dude is electric, man. He's all over the place. Um, I think he's going to have, he's going to wreak havoc. And I think he, he is completely capable of taking college football by storm.
0: I knew you were going to take him, so I didn't, I didn't take him. And Please Josh-
1: take the other one. I'm begging you to take the other one that I love.
0: Josh Pate was loving up on Sunterine Perkins on uh, on the late kick, right? I see that video yeah, consistently. Yeah, welcome,
1: welcome, welcome to the show.
0: Yeah. I called him the hidden gem of the 2023 cycle because no one had seen him until the Under Armour game from a town of, like, less than 1,500 people. And he's a, he's a fun interview, you know, very, very backroads, uh, grounded individual. All right. I hope this is the guy you're talking about. I went Aiden Williams. Thank you. Okay. They got him wearing the jersey number one. I think that is key. Last few (laughs) guys that have wore that number AJ Brown, Jonathan Mingo, Laquan Treadwell. And Ole Miss brought in, yeah, Ole Miss brought in some, well, they brought in transfers everywhere, uh, but brought in two G5 guys zakari franklin trey harris franklin from utsa harris from louisiana tech both are on the blintnikoff award preseason watch list hey they could have got the jersey number one but it went to aiden williams and and the reports coming out of oxford are are glowing when it comes to aiden williams i mean lane kiffin said uh really special and unique and that's coming from a, a tan lane kiffin so I think he's going to play. I'll never forget the first time I saw Aiden Williams. It was, I mean, he was going into his junior season. He was at Florida's Friday night lights camp. And the reason I was, well, he looked good running routes, but I'm like, who is this kid with red hair? Like, why does he have red hair? Uh, and that was Aiden Williams. So I think he's going to be in the fold. Um, Quinchon Judkins comes back. I, they're going to run the football, but they they're going to air it out as well. And uh, I think Aiden Williams will be a a name within SEC circles pretty soon.
1: First time I saw him was January two years ago, pylon seven on seven in New Orleans. And I thought he was the best player there. Isaac Smith was there. They had a bunch of other players there as well.
0: But that was the thing. He like was good at everything he went to.
1: Future 50.
0: And he might not be a... Like, do we ever get a 40-yard dash time on him?
1: I think we did. I think that was always, like, what was preventing him from moving up the board, skyrocketing, right, into day one, early day two conversation. But competitive temperament-wise and just evaluating a football player that knows how to win one-on-one, I thought he was one of the best in the country. Plays the game the right way. And you talk about, like, an attacking mindset. Big, physical, strong, savvy, run after the catch. He's perfect. Perfect for Ole Miss.
0: I mean, they only signed like their high school class was small. It was like sixteen guys. And, like they got some some dudes. Javante Connor, the tight end out of of North Carolina. There's already buzz about him. Uh, Kedrick Riscano running back out of Texas. Buzz about him.
1: Totally forgot about Riscano. Where'd they flip him from? Michigan State? Could be wrong there. No, need to go no back. you're
0: right. You're right. You're right. No, yes, you are right. Beat beat Penn State for him.
1: Penn State. Okay, we're fired up about Ole Miss. Pete Golding, new defensive coordinator over there coming over from Alabama. All right, Drew, last three. We're over an hour here, so we'll, we'll pick it up, try to get these done in the next 10 minutes. Arkansas. I feel like you and I are going to be on the same page here. <laughs>
0: Yeah it's, an easy, yeah, it's an easy one. All right, give me your reasoning. I'll give you my reasoning.
1: I think this guy is an embodiment of what Arkansas wants to do offensively. Dan Enos, I, you know, we talked a lot about Lawson Lucky earlier in the show. This is a guy that I think from a position versatile standpoint, standpoint h-back can do a little bit of everything you can line him up in the backfield you can put him in line he can also detach love his ability as a pass catcher and he's got a maturity about his game that translates immediately to the next level high usage
0: ditto Ditto on all that trey biddy at hog sports does an excellent job covering the razorbacks he spoke with the strength coach Noted that Haas has gone from 221 pounds to 241 pounds. And to me, that is important because when I saw Luke Haas at the Under Armour All America game, first time sizing him up, I'm like, man, like this guy isn't that he isn't that big. And then you watched him practice, soft hands can run all those different routes out of the backfield. Um, surprising a little bit that he's in, you know in the starting lineup conversation, but Arkansas has a need there. And then what you kind of said, he, he embodies what, like, he's a guy that wants to block. Um, so I think that's a great pick. And they brought in the, the North Texas transfer, the tight end gums. I I think Haas will be out there because you said it, Dan Enos coming over from Maryland. I remember when Danny Enos was at Miami, like the tight ends are to that offense what he wants to do like there are going to be a lot of them on the field so excellent pick luke haas i couldn't really find anyone else but
1: i know i kind of struggled a little bit the other one was tj metcalf who i just love um i think that's going to be a guy that plays early as well
0: he had like a pick and a scrimmage i think or practice i I didn't see that
1: football instincts just kind of jump off the tape with him and then and then
0: what One more, one more on Arkansas, uh, because I thought this was notable, and maybe maybe you would care, but I'm not sure if you're familiar. But Ian Gaffard was an—we had him listed as an offensive tackle. I guess they're they're going to try him on defense as a nose. He's like hovering around 400 pounds. They think he's going to play, so I thought that was certainly notable. It's fun to see like your evaluation—you think he's going to be this, and it's like, all right, he arrives and he's doing something else. (laughs)
1: completely bamboozle you within months of enrolling at the school. Completely different. All right, Auburn, Drew. What do you think here?
0: <laughs> this one was, you want to talk about low-hanging fruit? Keldrick yes. Falk, man. Keldrick Falk. The On
1: the flip, same page once again.
0: The flip from Florida State. I mean, Ron Roberts, the defensive coordinator, came out and said, he's going to be an impact player for us this season. Right, this is the impact through freshman in the SEC episode. It's like, okay, thank you for, for making this easy. Um, I guess they were working him at Jack linebacker. Now he's more of a, an, a defensive end. He's around 290 pounds. I mean, I remember when I showed up for the All-American Bowl, and I came in late. I was coming from the Under Armour, and I said, I'm like from a height, weight, speed, eye test frame, like I'm in love with... Keldrick Falk and I think I put that in the 24 7 sports message board and like you know bunch of blowback about from some fan base that you know didn't understand what I'm saying. And look now, like I don't think there's a way they can keep him off the field. Like he's gonna be a guy for them.
1: <laughs> Been a little bit petty today, Drew. I like it. Keldrick Falk for me, I, he he was a guy that was playing like one technique when we saw him in San Antonio. I'm like, what the hell are what are we doing here? got to get this guy out on the edge, man. Think about this. The state of Alabama last year, Alabama, Mississippi all-star game. Peter Woods, Keldrick Falk, Kelby Collins. And if you remember, we went through the 23 rankings. You're like, how do we stack these dudes? They're all kind of different, but they're all super versatile.
0: And they're all good play.
1: Keldrick Falk to me was the guy that I thought had the highest ceiling. You know, and I I love Keldrick Falk. I think Auburn, it's a it's a beautiful blend of this guy needs to play early, but they also need him to play early. It's a need, right? They 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 need to improve in terms of their pass rush. Keldrick Falk is he going to be ready to go physically? Yes, I think he is. It's going to be a little bit of nuance in his development, but he's going to be a freak. I mean, I, I could see potential All American in his future.
0: I would agree. Who does? Who isn't Auburn's opening schedule kind of uh, set up well for a guy that is trying to get on the field? Yeah, UMass at Cal, Stanford, Week Four, at Texas A and M.
1: Did you say Stanford?
0: Yeah, Stanford.
1: Okay, I was about to say they're about to play Cal, Stanford back to no. back. Be a crazy non-conference here. Our right, last one here, in Mississippi State. I think the chances of you and I being on the same page here are about ninety well, percent.
0: I'm going go to go. Go.
1: Creed Whitmore. My guy, love this dude. This was big for Mississippi State, man. This dude is a football player, three phase guy. We really struggled. Like, what is he going to be? We didn't know whether he's going to be a receiver, whether he's going to be safety. And then at the end of the day, you have that conversation, and then it's like it doesn't matter. Just get him on your football team. This is the type of dude you want on your team. I think this guy is ready-made. He's ready to go. He's going to play day one. He's going to be a factor. I think he's going to be a name that people are going to get familiar with very, very quickly.
0: Paul Jones of Gene's Page wrote on his message board, Whitmore just plays with an edge. And I'm like, yes, that is the perfect way to put it. Uh, And for those not familiar, Creed Whitmore, longtime Florida commit from Gainesville, high school quarterback, was named Florida's Mr. Football passed for over 2,500 yards, ran for over 1,200 yards, had one of the most – you want to talk about stat lines. You mentioned with Sunterine Perkins, Creed Whitmore in a playoff game, three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, three interceptions on defense, two pass breakups, and a tackle for loss. Um, yeah, he just – get him on the field. seems like he's repping in at, at wide receiver. I think he could be an ace on special teams. So we are definitely on the same page there. And the, and the other name – you brought him up a little bit ago. Isaac Smith, the safety. Uh, did they flip him late or would they just land him late? No,
1: I think LSU was the lean throughout the process, but they ended up winning that one. It was, I, I believe Mississippi State, Ole Miss, LSU were all involved. Mississippi State gets it done.
0: Yeah, those two seem to be the the steals of the class, and it's not surprising that they're already working their way into the starting lineup.
1: Drew, I know we're focused on like what we do here at 24 seven sports. that's the way it should be everybody else has their process and we respect that to to other services in the industry. We were a big outlier on Creed Whitmore and we'll see right I mean it's not but we were the only service to have Creed Whitmore in the top 150 and I don't think anybody else was relatively close but I to me he was like he was a checkbox type of player. Everything about him, right? Dual sport, athlete, guy that ran well, played quarterback, played receiver, was in the return game, played defense. And it's like, all right, if you're trying to find some vulnerability in his game, what is it? And then on top of that, you talked about the the disposition. He's a football player, man. He's one of those guys that I think you you put into that football player bucket but he's a lot better athlete than I think people are giving him credit for.
0: And both his parents, athletes dad played at UCF mom, all sec volleyball player at, at the university of Florida. I texted you a while back because I was looking up Creed that stat line for Creed Whitmore. And I remember I sent you a video of his dad doing like a standing back flip on, on the stage, just a very athletic family. And I think one of the reasons I'll, I'll finish here. Why? I felt so confident in Creed Whitmore is because I saw him play wide receiver at Florida's Friday night lights camp. It was when Evan Stewart was there, uh, a few other guys and Creed Whitmore was in that, in that group, in the discussion towards the top. Like he was a top performer that night. Um, And again, all his tape is either playing safety or uh, playing quarterback, but the quarterback stuff is fun. (laughs) Like in the playoffs, running away from, uh demon wilson so yeah feeling good about that ranking
1: i have to say this is one of the most fun segments i think we've ever done i enjoy this you know because it's kind of like it's our first little bit of glimpse and i guess somewhat what you could say feedback right on the 2023 class and a lot of these names are familiar to us especially in the sec who own who just owns the the top 247 and the majority share there but it's good to see, all right, which guys are going to play early. What's it looking like right now? And then obviously the season right around the corner. Drew, final thoughts before we get out of here?
0: I can't believe we were thinking about doing two conferences in this episode. I know.
1: Glad we just did one.
0: No, it', it fun. It, exactly what you said. It's And this is all, you know, preseason buzz, training camp buzz. Um, but we'll see how it plays out, you know.
1: Big weekend got, ahead of us.
0: Yeah, I got I got B fifty or sorry B fifteen on my flight. So good, We're good there,
1: good. Last time we talked good. about Southwest on this show, I don't think it was positive. So a little a little bit of a little bit of love for Southwest. B fifteen okay, is that what you said?
0: Yeah, B fifteen. That's like an aisle seat. I think
1: that's a good row, Coach. I'm excited. Get, for get, you. It's going a good flight.
0: Me, are you gonna pick me up from the airport or or what? What time
1: do you What time do you get in?
0: Right after lunch.
1: I don't think so. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll talk after this. All right, guys, for Andrew Ivans, I'm Cooper Patagna, producer Lance Glenn as well. We appreciate your help. Guys, we will see you next week. Like I said, big commitments on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel today. Make sure you tune into those. Colin Simmons, a big one. Also, the who, who am I forgetting? Uh, Caleb um, Durham, running back. I'm sorry. Apologies. Caden All right, guys, Caden Durham. Big day. Big day at 24-7 sports. Alright guys, appreciate you listening. We'll see you next week. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.